What's up, everyone? It is another edition of Team Turnbuckle. I am your host, Keith Fleming. This is the first of what we're going to start doing, two podcasts per week. Uh, One will be around the middle of the week. It will be on Raw and SmackDown. The other will be on um, sometime during the weekend, and it will be AEW and NXT. The reason we want to do that is we want to try to keep the podcast under an hour. We want to be able to, you know, go over as much information as possible, particularly, uh, you know, each episode of all of these shows. And it's really difficult to do with uh, four shows. And then also we like to talk about the news, uh, you know, that's going on in the week of wrestling. But with me, as always, is my co-host, Ronnell Tinsley. Ronnell, how you doing, buddy? Keith, I'm doing well. Outside of the technical difficulties in trying to dial in, I am a blessed man. Well, that's always good. Uh, we're actually getting ready to swap uh, the, the software we use to do these podcasts. So hopefully uh, the new software will be a little bit easier and more user-friendly. That is what RC, the man, the myth, the legend, has told me. Um, before we get started, we're going to start with SmackDown. I just want to real quickly uh, tell people that we are now on Spotify. Uh, please be sure to like or follow, excuse me, the IB Sports page as well as the Televangelist podcast. That's RC's TV and Movies podcast. Me and him did a podcast earlier this week on that feed going over this season of Better Call Saul, Ozark, and the wild documentary Tiger King. Uh, and also, if we are on iTunes, please be sure to rate and review and follow. Um, but let's get right into this. Uh, before, actually, excuse me, before we get into SmackDown, uh, we always go through a few stories that are going around. Uh, there's two that I sent you on the outline. We'll go over those, and then one bonus one that I saw recently. But Kane uh, Vasquez was released by WWE. I, I don't think this was a huge surprise. His feud and introduction, um, you know, his battle with Lesnar was really a flop. The only thing I will say is it really upsets me that Kane was brought in and because of it, Kofi's amazing title run was, I don't want to say ruined, but they really messed up, in my opinion, how great that title run was by having him lose it. Not only the way he did uh, in the match, but the way they built it up. It was something that was just thrown together. And it was all to get to, you know, basically the Vasquez-Lesnar match that they thought would get some attention because of the MMA history. Are you at all surprised that they released him? And do you think that they missed an opportunity with him from some of the stuff we've seen from him in other wrestling organizations? They definitely missed the boat, for sure, um, with him being Mexican and, of course, going and going to his roots and getting a little background, you know, the, the luchador kind of circuit. He had, the, he had the opportunity. Am I upset about it? Absolutely not. Um, unfortunately, it was grossly uh, overused. I really disagree with the fact that they did all that to take the strap off of Kofi like you. I don't necessarily know if one tied into the other. But the fact that Kofi's great run was cut short just for a terrible Saudi Arabia match, I wasn't digging it at all. So, you know, I'm not really going to miss Cain Velasquez, and I'm sure my man's doing pretty well for himself no matter what. Yeah, I'm interested to see what he does moving forward because I will admit I saw some of his, I guess, matches from AAA on the Internet after he was released, and He's a lot better than I thought he was, so it was kind of interesting, I guess is words you could use, that WWE used him the way they did, trying to make it more of like an MMA fight when it appeared like he actually could wrestle a little bit, and, you know, they just, I think they just really wanted to have the Brock feud, and when that kind of went south, and they had already gave him, from what we heard, a good bit of money, uh, you know, they cut their ties and their losses and moved on. The uh, second story, and I don't know for a fact that this is, you know, 
A equals B. Jerry Lawler, the king, got himself in trouble again uh, two weeks ago on Monday Night Raw saying some very inappropriate comments about Kerry Sane. If you want to Google them, you can. I'm not going to repeat them. Uh, this is something that the King has a long history of. I agree with his response that he said that, you know, Hill commentators have a role. They're supposed to upset people. But he crossed the line uh, with his comments, and he's, he's, like I say, has a history of that. They replaced him with Samoa Joe on Monday night. It was interesting that they started the show by saying back by popular demand Samoa Joe, so they played it off as Samoa Joe was back because the you know the fans had been clamoring for it, and not because Jerry Lawler was being punished for his remarks. Do you think those two things do equate to where Lawler was being punished? Do you think he's going to be back anytime soon on Raw? And uh, do you like Samoa Joe being the the third person if he does not come back? It's weird because I'm glad that he brought this up because um, when I was watching that episode, I wrote it down somewhere and I failed to bring it with me. Um, but it was some kind of like uh, there was that and there was something else that he had said. And it's like, ooh, you know, King, that, that stuff kind of flew in the 90s, early 2000s. We can't really sail that ship anymore. And so I kind of am not surprised that this move came Um I like Jerry E. Lawler and what he does, and yes, I appreciate heel commentary, but you know, to a degree, you know, we kind of do have to evolve with time, and you got to, you know, you got to work on your craft a little better, my man. I mean, he's, he's fantastic, but you know, it's not a surprise that they pulled it like that. And I don't, I don't mind Samoa Joe actually. Joe actually does quite well in the commentary; he can keep it flowing, and you know. You'll never – he'll go both sides. He'll play both face heel depending on the certain action that happens in the ring. So I'm I'm okay with Solo Joe uh, replacing the king. I will say that I actually watched a documentary uh, this week on Jim Carrey and making the movie Man on the Moon. And, you know, Jerry Waller was uh, – intertwined in that both uh in the the real story and also in the documentary because Jim Carrey swears that Andy Kaufman's spirit encompassed him while making that movie uh and honestly treated Jerry Lawler from the documentary uh just like an ass and Lawler actually said to him at one point you know me and Andy Kaufman were friends. Like the whole thing between us was staged and we talked and, you know, that was what Andy Kaufman did ahead of his time was, you know, he really believed in, uh, you know, not only making people not know if something is real or fake, but he wanted to live that life. And it just, it made sense that he was a huge wrestling fan because for so long, that's the way wrestling was. You know, no one would ever speak out and say that something was scripted or, you know, the decisions were predetermined the kind of things that you hear today. So I kind of understand that, you know, Jerry Lawler is probably from an old school mentality and unfortunately a lot, and I'm not giving him a pass, but I'm just saying that like with a lot of older people, it's, it's kind of hard to teach an old dog new tricks. And I wonder if that didn't play a part in him still thinking that he's doing what he should by being a heel, I mean, he used to, you know, talk about women's breasts and call them puppies for years, and people loved it. But like what you were saying, that was the late 90s, or if this is somebody who just has some hateful uh, opinions and they sort of creep out when he's doing commentary, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt when I see something like a documentary that this was 20 years ago, and uh, he really was. He was great to Jim Carrey during that, and, I mean, Jim Carrey was just awful uh, to him, so uh, do you kind of see what I'm saying there? Um, I do. I never actually got around to watching Man in the Moon. Um, I wasn't a, but hearing that Jim Carrey was kind of acting like that, and also based on the fact that not understanding how the business works, it doesn't surprise me. 
So two other things, and then we'll get to the actual show breakdowns. Uh, There was a report posted today in the IB Sports Group on Facebook. Uh, We had discussed this two weeks ago when talking about the layoffs. I had mentioned in that report that, uh, you know, WWE had a lot of cash on hand, almost half a billion. So it was not surprising, but it was not necessary to cut all of the employees And part of the reason in that report was Vince had lost a lot of his personal wealth with the XFL filing bankruptcy a few weeks earlier. And he was trying to, uh, you know, get dividends back not only as a stockholder, but also keep investors happy. That obviously those moves, which were, you know, cost-effective moves, have made the stock rise. And now there's a report that potentially he is going to sell the company to ESPN or Fox. I know both of us commented on there that we've heard rumblings. I mean, we talked about this two weeks ago. That would make sense why he was doing that, you know, trying to basically get the value of the company to rise. But I just can't believe it until I see that in writing. You're in the same boat, correct? Yeah, I'm with you. I, you know, I can, I understand that right now, you know, the company's kind of losing money and such, but, you know, from its investments, et cetera, I still just, I, I can't, can't buy it. It would be hard to understand it going to two companies, especially, especially with it being ESPN and Fox. That'd be a hard play considering that they're still contracted the U.S. network for Raw. So I, I don't see how in the world you would be able to manage that, especially selling it to two different companies. Now, if they were going to Fox solely, which I don't know if they have the money to really do that, possibility, still the USA thing, uh, looms big for me. So I'm going to wait till wait to see how it all plays out. You know, rumors just are the, just that until we get any kind of real truth to it. I also think that there's a very good chance that the the person who floated this is not the greatest source. I believe that he caught some mm-hmm. smoke and not the fire because there has been rumors for a few weeks that they are trying to sell the uh, like pay-per-view rights, which would make a little bit more spent sense of that going to like ESPN Plus or I think Fox Sports also has a premium package. And that would make more sense than Vince just giving up control of a company that he's fought like hell for four decades, you know, to have. It just, to me, would not make sense. The last thing before we get into uh, the the two shows is, and this is going to kind of move ahead a little bit to Raw, which is the second show we'll talk about, but Apollo Crews uh, has an injury. He is not going to be in the Money in the Bank match. They're going to have a gauntlet match to make up that fifth. Uh, There's still one spot available on SmackDown as well. That's going to be between Otis and Dolph Ziggler this Friday. But there's going to be a gauntlet match, a last chance match. Uh, They have not given all of the participants, but uh, most people believe that Austin Theory, Buddy Murphy, MVP, I hope they put Andrade in there. Uh, if you're looking at Raw's roster, what guy that is not in there and does not have a match at Money in the Bank would you put in to replace Cruz? Quite honestly, right now I go with um, Andrade, just because number one it would play more into the story. Number, you know, we don't know if we're uh, being worked over right now with this angle. Um, because personally, I feel bad for Apollo Cruz. You know, we had talked about him being mismanaged only but a couple of weeks ago, not on the last show as well. And here he is. He's starting to finally get a little bit of a push and gets injured. So I think with the fact that he uh, pinned Andrade in in their match that we're going to be speaking about uh, soon, uh, leaves a little uh, leaves it a little open. So whether Andrade wins Money in the Bank or not. At least there's a tailor-made comeback story for him to just come back into. 
And, you know, hopefully he'll be right back in the U.S. title picture. At the very least, you know, feud with Andrade to get to the U.S. title. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, Andrade is the best choice. Um, I don't know if they pick him to win, but, I mean, he's the United States champion. If you're really going to push him, you know, it would be something to have a belt and the briefcase. I believe Seth did for a small period have the IC belt and the briefcase, but I can't remember for sure. Uh, but, you know, that's that's a lot of goods to have on one guy, and that would obviously mean that they're pushing him. And sometimes, especially when there's not a crowd, uh, success I feel like is playing more of a factor in sort of people's opinions of guys than ever before because there's not a crowd there either getting really behind them or getting a lot of hill heat on them or, or whatever. Uh, so that would make the most sense. But we're going to start with the SmackDown review. And remember, the early in the week podcast, like tonight, we're going to just go over Raw, SmackDown, any news in, in that time period. Then later in the week, we will recap AEW and NXT, which both are on tonight. This is the SmackDown show from April 24th. The show opened with a New Day celebration. They are now celebrating their eighth tag team title victory. That is uh, the second most tag team uh, title reigns in the history of the WWE. Um, Kofi really put Big E over um, by saying, you know, that he was the only reason they had this eighth reign, which technically was true because he won a triple threat singles match for the tag team titles. But as it seems like every opening promo does nowadays, they were interrupted by the Lucha House Party, eventually Miz and Morrison, then the Forgotten Sons, and I, I'm so tired of this. Like, I'm so tired of shows starting off with a guy in the ring either giving a promo or being interviewed by somebody, and then you have, you know, if it's a tag team, you know, either one or multiple teams come in to set up a match later, or if it's a singles same deal it's just you know rinse and repeat I, I just they should be doing creative stuff right now and it's almost like they're on autopilot um but my question from this segment because i do believe new day is now in like the serious conversation of one of the greatest tag teams ever where do you have them roughly in the pantheon of all time tag teams That's a fantastic question. No, that's – I I, I got what you mean. Um, And I can even, um, for me, even speak to all-time. I mean, we have to start putting these guys in top ten all-time, you know, all-around, WWE-wise, probably going to be in the top three to five, you know. Um, eight-time tag champs, nothing to, nothing to sniff at. Um, you spoke about them being the longest reigning. Um, what they did with they were put together, and it was supposed to all be a joke, and they've been able to make this run as long as they have. I mean, man, this run has lasted longer than a lot of factions have, you know? So they've turned something – I mean, they turned nothing into a whole lot of something, being able to sell merch, um, consistently keep the crowd engaged. So I'm definitely comfortable with um, WWE-wise putting them in the top three or five tags of all time. I'm 100% with you. I mean, I'm not going to say the best ever, like, you know, the top five ever. This is my list because – that's not really fair. I mean, I love and watch a lot of wrestling. I don't consider myself an expert. A lot of this stuff is, you know, just your opinion. So I'm just going to go. There's a few tag teams that I personally had more enjoyment out of watching the characters and the wrestling, and that's the Hart Foundation, the Road Warriors. Uh, I loved Edge and Christian. And then I'd have the New Day there fourth. Uh, and fifth for me would be demolition. Now, obviously, mine is more, you know, tilted to, towards when I was a kid because obviously that's, you know, when you really love wrestling and it, you know, it's everything for you. Now, as an adult, I'm looking at it more from, I don't know, almost like a critic standpoint. So it's the joy that you would get 
when you're a child. And then the one team that I have right outside of them because they, they just didn't have the time together was the Rock and Sock Connection, who I just absolutely love when the Rock and McFoley were together. But, I mean, to your point and what you're saying about the New Day, I would assume that they've sold more merchandise than any tag team ever. I think that's a definite. I think it's really cool that these guys, um, I'm sure they have their own aspirations, but they enjoy being a, a group so much. They enjoy, obviously, the money they're making off of, uh, you know, selling T-shirts and, and cereals and all that stuff. But for them to stay together and to make that choice, because I, I've actually read a few articles when I've researched it, that they've had opportunities to split, and it's been more their decision that they don't want to and so, I mean, this could end up being the greatest tag team ever. I mean, if they have another two, three years and end up breaking, uh, you know, the tag team championship title uh, for the most time record, then they're going to have a real legit argument for it. Uh, and I just love that they brought back the Freebird rule, which is something we hadn't seen since, you know, the 80s with the Freebird. So they definitely belong in that conversation. And I also think the Usos do as well. Uh, the second match Italy, on – Yeah, uh, the Usos definitely will. I'm sorry. I, oh, I, I was just no, saying no, no, you're definitely good, agree with the Usos. <laughs> no, go right ahead. Uh, the second match was a Money in the Bank qualifier. It was Baron Corbin defeated Drew Gulak. He had an assist from Shinsuke and Cesaro. Daniel Bryan was um, at ringside for Drew Gulak. Uh, Cesaro and Shinsuke came down, distract, got, got Brian, that distracted Gulak, and Corbin took advantage of it to get the win. Do you think that's the right decision to have Corbin in the money in the bank over uh, Drew? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you need somebody that brings some heat in there. Uh, Aaron Corbin definitely will do that. Uh, I know that you and I kind of just – just a little bit about Baron Corbin, and we'll probably touch on him a little further in a moment. But you got to appreciate what he brings to the ring, especially uh, he can bring he can draw heel heat with pretty much anybody you put in front of him and make you care about him getting his face punched in. So you know you can't really ask for much more. So I, I'm happy with uh, with the Corbin getting in there. Yeah, I am too. Uh, he deserves it, honestly. I I think, honestly, he deserves to win this match because he is, like, the perfect guy to have the money in the bank briefcase. Now, I will say, if you want to play devil's advocate, there's not going to be a crowd there. So, the heel heat isn't as big of a deal as it normally is and so if you wanted to take a chance on Drew Gulak and really go a bunch of young guys that have not had opportunities, this would have been probably the one chance to do it because, again, there's no crowd. There, uh, but I definitely think Barron deserves that, and that was the right call. Something that I've been thinking about, you know I'm a huge Baron Corbin fan. I think he's the best heel in the biz right now. and I mean, WWE – AEW, Jericho is great, but he's not a real heel. I mean, you know I mean? People love Jericho. He's that kind of heel. And I almost think that's a different subsection of heels to where Corbin is a true heel, where he comes out, gets the crowd pissed. Whoever's facing him is going to get cheers. It's just, it's a very valuable position in wrestling. But I'm a little sick of the King Corbin, you know, push and gimmick. I thought it was a great decision when they did it. It hasn't worked out as well as I thought it would. I thought that they needed to, to do a little bit more than just call him King Corbin and occasionally have him, you know, get, you know, wearing a crown and stuff like that. But are are you tired of the King Corbin? What what would you do with Corbin if you were him trying to kind of just tweak his heel character a little bit to get him back on track. That's kind of tough. Um, you know, they are just reviving this entire thing, you know, the king of the ring, et cetera, et cetera. So I think he held it down um, fairly well. And he you know, continues to use his realness as part of his douchiness, which is great. 
Um, yeah, I think it's about time. I'm, I'm not certain when the next King of the Ring tournament uh, is supposed to be or whether or not they're going to do it again this year. But, yeah, I think it's time to just put that away. Let him just go back to being himself and, you know, continue to do what he does. It's great that he doesn't really need um, much direction. Just, hey, this is who you're going to be with. And he goes there and makes it happen. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I wouldn't have a problem with him starting, uh, you know, a heel faction. I know Vince is not huge on factions, but I think it would be good if you want to call up a couple of heels from either NXT or guys that are not being used on the Raw and SmackDown roster and let Baron be the mouthpiece because they're going to get, you know, heat off of Baron. So that would make sense. Uh, Next, Sheamus won a squash match. That's the second straight. It appears they're setting up because of the vignettes and when they're running them. A Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus feud. Uh, I actually just lost Ron L for a second, but um, I just I don't really care about this feud, and I, I feel bad saying that. But Sheamus and Jeff Hardy are two guys that I just can't get behind as like a feud, especially the first feud for both of these guys. I know they have a little bit of history, not a lot in the ring, and that's good, but what I don't understand is you have Sheamus, who's a former world champion. I mean, he's done it all. You're bringing him back, trying to rebuild him. And on the other side, you got Jeff Hardy, who, again, is a former champion, done it all. And I just don't understand why you're – having these two guys face each other right when they're getting back on TV because I feel like unless they have really big plans for one of them, which I don't believe they do, you're just going to end up hurting one of them and elevating the other. I don't think it's going to really go anywhere to where if they let them build up both by having feuds with guys not as big as them, um, then maybe the feud was a few months from now. That would make a little bit more sense. Are you excited about the Jeff Hardy Sheamus feud that it looks like we're getting? Um, there's nothing to be excited about, you know. Like you were saying, is um, Cesaro is just another guy who's just grossly misunderstood. I'm sorry, um, Sheamus is a guy who's grossly misunderused, that he's been given no direction. I thought there would be something a little more in it for him, like maybe they're, they're going to put him back in the IC title picture or something. They just have him putting in, they just keep putting him there against a bunch of jabronis for him to just wash through. So I don't understand. And putting Jeff Hardy on the other side of him uh, it really leaves me with a ton of questions because, you know, Matt's making a quite a stir over in AEW. Um, do you have something more in store? Because, you know, I can't see Jeff Hardy really going much, that much longer with uh, the career he's had and the, uh, the way he wrestles. No, I, I think that I, I sign on on all of that. Uh, next, we had a, a tag team match. So the Lucha House Party picked up an upset win over the Miz and Morrison uh, the losses are starting to pile up for Miz and Morrison. Do you think this is headed to a Miz Morrison feud split, or are they just trying to build up some other tag teams? I think that we were right in what we were talking about that they had basically brought this back to um, to eventually create a feud with Miz and Morrison. I just I, I am really disappointed in the fact that they're going from making Miz and Morrison champs to getting washed by the Lucia House Party in the span of a couple of weeks. Uh, another thing that I'm tossing in the air that uh, I don't make any sense out of whatsoever. Yeah, it, it doesn't make sense that they gave them the titles only to have them lose. The only thing I can... I guess think of was they wanted to, you know, slowly bring Morrison back, put him in a tag team, show that he still quote unquote has it. So he won the tag team titles with Miz, but it, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And 
I just they're not really laying any breadcrumbs for a heel split or, you know, for the two splitting other than they did have, I think, the little back and forth after Morrison, you know, won the match at WrestleMania to retain the tag team titles in the triple threat match. But outside of that, we haven't, you know, really seen too much, you know, dissension between these guys. And another surprising move, and SmackDown and Raw had several of them, Lacey Evans qualified for the women's Money in the Bank match. She defeated uh, Sasha Banks. Bailey, of course, accidentally assisted uh, Lacey. She she distracted the ref when Sasha would have had her pinned. Um, I personally would have much rather had Sasha win this match, go on to win the briefcase. And to me, you could tease out, and I mean, you've already waited this long. Why not do you know, with the Sasha, uh, Sasha Bailey money in the bank, similar to what they did with the, uh, you know, the Batista Triple H uh, WrestleMania match at, at 21, where Batista won the Royal Rumble. He was part of Evolution at that time, and there was dissension, and they were slowly building up. It, it's honestly very similar to what they've done with the Sasha and Bailey story. I'm assuming they did this because they want to continue to push Lacey Evans, and that's me and you keep going back and forth as we talk about this more, that, you know, Sasha Bailey doesn't really need the title to be, you know, something special. But would you have put Sasha in the Money in the Bank match, or do you think it was smarter to have her lose this opportunity because basically or taking from her because of Bailey making a mistake or do you think it was just right just to put Lacey Evans in because she needs to push more than Sasha does? I personally am okay with how they're deciding to go about it. Um, we've been uh, chomping at the bit, hoping that this was going to start to bubble over, and they did put a picture-perfect a picture type moment can be built. So I'm okay with it. You know, I'm – Still not really overly thrilled about it being Lacey Evans, but, you know, hopefully what we had talked about in terms of getting to the money in the bank, that more of our favorites would be uh, in the mix to kind of uh, get in there. So I'm all right with that. And the other other thing, I guess, you know, thinking about it, and we'll get into it on Raw, but they've got three just of the baddest women in wrestling on the Raw side. They're all heels. So you're going to either have Sasha have to almost turn face in the match because to be a heel and to be Asuka, you know, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler in a ladder match uh, would be, you know, a little tough to believe. And not to mention, again, you'd have, you know, four of the six participants are heels. So from that standpoint, I guess it does make a little more sense, but... We will see. I just hope, again, that they get to it because uh, I do think the Batista Triple H worked out. That was over about a six-month period, but the Bailey Sasha has been going longer than that, so they need to pull the trigger eventually. Um, The women's tag team titles were defended on SmackDown. Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, they retained their tag titles against Carmella and Dana Brooke. Um, Do you, you think that Alexa Bliss is being used properly because I don't. Honestly, I do. Um, I think using her as, you know, being one of the top women performers to really, you know, double down on legitimizing uh, these titles is a good thing. Um, I was initially expecting with her and Nikki Cross for her to backstab her, but They've actually turned this into um, a tag team that I am interested, invested in. So I'm all right with with how she's being utilized so far. See, I kind of wish they would have taken the advantage of Braun being the champion, how over, what do they call him, Little Big uh, in the mixed tag, and have Alexa kind of join up with Braun, uh, whether it just be a friendly relationship, a couple, whatever, 
have her turn face, and I thought she would be a great challenger to Bailey, especially if we are going to wait for the Sasha Bailey feud, which they continue to drag out. I just think Alexa Bliss is one of the best women's wrestlers there is. I love her character. She's so great on the mic. And it's a little disappointing that she's being left to tag team matches. And again, this is not so much that the tag team titles is like a, you know, putting her down. It's the fact that just like with this match, they got basically no time. They rarely ever do give the women's tag team uh, matches either time to be good or the quality is just not quite as great uh, in WWE except for a few exceptions. Triple H no, came I totally out, agree with uh, you there. Sorry about that, Ron. Sorry, I keep forgetting uh, I put myself – no, it's okay. I, put, I keep putting myself on mute and I start talking and realize I'm talking to air. You're good, buddy. Uh, It closed the show. Triple H came out to celebrate his 25 years with the WWE. He would be joined by HBK. Eventually, they had phone calls or FaceTimes from Stephanie, Ric Flair, the Road Dog. Vince came out in person. I mean, it was pretty entertaining. It was actually creative, which, again, I give them credit for actually trying something uh, I love that HBK was talking smack about Stephanie. She immediately calls Triple H, and you can, you know, like see her on the camera going, you know, Triple H is saying that, oh, no, 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 he's not making fun of you. Stephanie's like, I can hear him. Y'all, you are on live TV. Like, I, I literally see y'all right now. Uh, it was something different. Flair uh, was just an iconic line telling Triple H as he got off the phone, don't let Sean uh, super kick you at the end of the segment. I mean, it, it was pretty good. Uh, Vince's stuff was kind of weird. They were trying to be funny. I think build off of the uh, Firefly Fun House match where he's kind of laughing at himself and same thing with Triple H. But one thing that I thought was interesting was they sort of appear to be building some Triple H and HBK beef. Now, granted, they're DX. They make fun of each other. That's what they do, but I think this is the third straight time I read online today that when they've gotten in the ring, they've made a comment like, you know, I'm better than you. Sean started making fun of Triple H. Triple H brought up how many WrestleMania losses do you have? Am I crazy? Are they trying to build to a Triple H, HBK storyline? It almost looks like that's where they're going. Um, I like that there were there were subtle jabs in there from HBK, and you know Hunter had to kind of lob some back. Um, and it, I could see it being a thing, you know. Maybe it's um, something they can kind of plot towards the future for another uh, XT uh, in-house fighting, you know, a little UK versus a regular NXT kind of thing. So I, I'd be all right with that. Um, I'm, I too saw that Vince was, that, that was kind of strange. Like I was expecting the swagger, but it was like, he didn't have the swagger, you know, like the, the wall. And I know, you know what I, what I mean, because he didn't have that confident strut coming out and it was like, so he would go heelish to joking to, but you know, he never really had that normal air that he has. So that was just, you know, that threw me off. But I thought it was a pretty entertaining bit uh, in all. Um, I liked the FaceTimes that came in, and, you know, it was quite quite entertaining for what it was. You know, couldn't do a big celebration without a live crowd. So they made it do what it do. I I, I really did enjoy it. I'm glad that they tried something different. That's my biggest complaint with WWE right now moving on into Raw for Monday night the show opens and again this is exactly what I was just talking about MVP is hosting a show with the three participants that have qualified for the money in the bank match you got Aleister Black, Rey Mysterio Apollo Crews of course they're interrupted uh, by Zelina, Andrade Angel Garza and Austin Theory it's set up a six man tag match I was out of that six-man tag match before it even began. I watched 
it a second time uh, today and actually watched it, and it was it was actually a pretty good match. But if I wasn't doing a podcast, I would have never gone back and watched the match again because I'm just so tired of the same old, same old. Like, just go ahead and announce before Raw starts that that six-man tag match is going to be on there, and then let the three participants in the Money in the Bank actually have, you know, their promo or their, you know, interview with MVP. And then if you want to build some tension between them, that makes sense. It just, I'm so tired of the way they start and set up matches on Raw and SmackDown. Extremely lame. Extremely lame. Like, why are you doing basically the same thing twice? On top of the fact that you and I are consistently saying, you know, give us give us something new. Um, what they did instead was kind of give us, you know, another one of those dusty endings at the end of all of this. So, you know, yeah, they used uh, uh, an old stick which made us roll our eyes to overshadow what really turned out to be a phenomenal match. Yeah, I just want them to think about how often they get to the same point on these shows. And it's, I mean, I understand there's only so many ways to set up a match, but I mean, I am so sick of the tag team and six team or six uh, man tag matches that are set up by guys in the ring trying to cut a promo or do an interview, and then somebody interrupts them. It's just like, I'm, I, I just, I'm sick of it. The next thing also really bothered me, they had advertised before Raw, and all of Raw up until that point, a Shayna Blazer, Asuka, and Nia Jax triple threat match. I was so excited about this. Instead, Nia Jax attacked the other two women before the bell officially rung, and about a three minutes, you know, brouhaha. She ended up knocking both competitors out of the ring with a ladder, then holding it over her head. And next thing you know, they went to commercial. And it took, when they got back from commercial, me to realize what they had done. They said that the match was a no contest because it didn't officially start, and they started fighting. And it's like, A, I hate that finish. If, I don't understand why you set up a match if that's going to be the finish because you didn't have a match. So why advertise it? And then B, like, I just don't know. What are they doing right now? Like, why? I just All this stuff is pointless. It's like they're trying – I don't know if they're trying to get people to watch or pay attention, but to tease people and then take it away. If they do not have this match – like the Monday after it and Money a Bank this Sunday, right? Yep, sir. Okay, so maybe on Monday they would have that triple threat match, but like this was a match I was really looking forward to. They advertised it for a week, and like I said, and earlier on the show, and then to do that, and then for the announcers not even to do a good job of explaining what was going on. Like I said, I had no idea. Um, and I watched it again today just to see if maybe I missed something the first time around. I didn't. They just didn't really explain it until they came back for commercial. I just, like, it's really frustrating. What do you think the purpose or their, what, are, what is their thinking trying to do something like this? Quite honestly, I have no idea. Um, it was bad enough that, you know, we were talking about hopefully they don't mismanage Shayna and coming off of a title loss and all that good stuff. And then you mess up with two of her matches in the last couple of weeks where we didn't really know what the deciding factor was, who won. Oh, I'm sorry. Shayna wasn't disqualified. She won because her opponent couldn't go forward. And so it's like, you know, you guys have, uh, we're on lockdown, aren't we? I mean, I understand everyone's still working. Creative, you guys are still working, right? Yeah? Come on. You know, bang your head against the wall a little more and give us something better. If Nia Jax wins the money in the bank, 
I might could say I understood what they were doing. I don't think they executed it well, meaning that they wanted to look make Nia look really strong. So they had her beat up, you know, Oscar and Shayna, but they didn't want any of the people to take a loss. But again, I'd rather see five, ten minutes of that and then have a count out or a disqualification than to tease something like that in the match. I mean, they, they literally they took two bumps and then, you know, she hit them with the ladder and then it was over. It was just really disappointing with how much they had built it up and advertised it. Um, next, Bobby Lashley won a squash match. The interesting thing from this is Lana did not come to ringside with him. Uh, Bobby Lashley said in an interview with Lana that she was her beauty was distracting, and that was why he didn't want her there. I'm a little confused, though, because Lana is basically a full-time manager now, and if she's not at the ring, what is she doing with Bobby Lashley? Hopefully they're using this as an angle to um, maybe diffuse them as a couple, maybe uh, maybe inject some new life and let us actually care about Lana. Maybe she winds up... uh, Finding another guy, and then that's how her—that's how her and Lashley kind of keep going at it. So, and then she can also consider uh, fill that manager's role. Outside of that, I don't know. I still don't really care. So it makes it really difficult for me to actually put much more thought into what are they doing with them because, again, Lashley. Proving himself, you know, adding a couple of moves to his skill set. He's already impressive. Just they they haven't used him right. And hopefully this is the beginning of pushing something else. Maybe we'll give a crap. Yeah, I I think he's now at this point one of the more underused guys on the roster. You know, you, you don't have Brock Lesnar. He's obviously not around now. Braun Strowman's on SmackDown. Bobby Lashley's a giant. I mean, he is a beast. I don't understand why he's not the beast of Raw. And you could, I mean, he's big enough and physical enough that if they just rebranded him, um, they could get away with basically making him, you know, the beast or the, the Strowman, basically the big, strong, scary guy on their, you know, promotion. And I, I, I kind of can't believe I'm saying this, but I feel like that they're wasting Bobby Lashley's talent, which I, I did not think I would be saying that anytime soon. Uh, another person who they're wasting talent on, uh, Liv Morgan defeated Ruby Riot for the second straight week. Riot has just been a, a jobber, I mean, quite frankly, since she came back. I am so disappointed about this. I thought Ruby Riot was one of the brightest uh, newcomers in the women's division when she got hurt last year. I really hope that injury doesn't prevent her from ever having a push because it looked like she was getting ready, you know, with the faction and everything to be that next heel woman to kind of come up. I just think that they're making the wrong decision here with Liv Morgan being put over Ruby. I understand she's very attractive and there's appeal to her. She's very popular on social media. Do you think that this is the right person to put Liv Morgan over on? I think so, and it's just going to play to more of the liberation and rediscovery of Liv Morgan. Um, agree with you on the fact that definitely that's probably the reason she's being pushed. I'm not going to disagree with them pushing her because I actually <laughs> used to love her uh, fake Harley Quinn, and now you know she's becoming her own woman and all this stuff. But you know, good for her. So I, I honestly do think it does make sense to put her over Ruby Riot, so that it's kind of her way to break away though I don't understand why they did it two weeks in a row. Just, you know, I'll scratch my head on that part. But, yeah, Ruby Riot is being also um, grossly misused. She is quite talented. She has a, a wonderful mean streak and can run a – like, there's no face for, for Ruby Riot at all. And I hope there, there never yep. really is. It, you know, she, she plays her role well, and 
she's a great athlete. So I'm just hoping that this is just something that they did for the Liv storyline, and then, you know, hopefully they can put her back in her winning ways soon enough. So I've already said on this podcast that Bobby Lashley is underused, and I, I couldn't believe I said that. I'm, I'm even more shocked about what I'm about to say. Jinder Mahal returned to action this week, one in a squash. I was really happy to see Jinder. I, I really got behind him his last run, not when he had the title, but the way he reacted to losing the title and sort of still acting like a big – his presence just changed once he had that strap on his, you know, shoulder, even though he lost it quickly. He just – I think his confidence grew. It's obviously a performer. <clears throat> I think that they have the perfect heel to go against Drew if Seth is not going to win the belt at Money in the Bank this weekend, or even if the feud extends a little longer and Drew ends up winning that feud. Am I crazy to say that they should push gender into a feud with Drew because of their history? I honestly, it's a slam dunk just like that. I um, started getting back in right before, like right after gender had lost the strap. So I got to see... The, the, the new and improved, you know, I got I did get to see some footage of him pre, pre-title. And, yeah, I agree with you. He, he definitely get um, that swagger to where the head is held high and firm. He's in phenomenal shape right now, um, you know, and putting him against Drew, you have that 3MB back storyline. These guys are both right now looking extremely jacked. Drew is doing what he should as a champ. I don't know if it's me, and and when I'm done, I'd love to hear your thought about it. Do you see that, you know, even though Drew is already a big dude, his last few appearances, he has that kind of extra, you know, jackness to him. Like, similar to how after, like, The Rock and Triple H, when they first kind of broke through, and they were um, taking supplements, and they got that extra, you know, five, ten-pound look on the camera, and it's like, man, look at the size of that dude's chest. It's like Jinder and Drew both have that going on right now, and I would totally be for all of that. He does look humongous, but... I do think part of it is the fact that he's not wearing the, uh, like, leather chap, uh, I don't even know what you'd call it, gown outfit to the ring, which kind of covered up, you know, part of his body till the match starts. And I don't know about for you, but, like, when they're wrestling, I don't tend to think as much, like, wow, look how big these guys are because they're all big and jack for the most part. But when he's just standing there, you know, and his tidy whitey's basically doing a promo, that's when you're like, good Lord, this guy is really big. And I was just, I said it on our WrestleMania review, it's amazing when you stand next to Brock Lesnar, and I'm not saying he could whoop Brock Lesnar in a real fight, but it would be believable that Drew McIntyre could beat Brock Lesnar in a real fight. I mean, that's saying something. There's not very many people maybe other than him and Braun Strowman on the roster that you could say that about. Right, right. But you saw what happened uh, when it came to Brock and exactly. Braun, when Braun accidentally uh, <laughs> get that knee. Brock was like, hold, the, uh, hold this real quick. <laughs> so, I will yeah, say that it, Braun it, it took that nice like having a comparable like that. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. I mean, your average man is sleeping for, for 10 minutes. I would have been for sure. I'm not an average man, though. So uh, we talked about Apollo Crews. We'll skip over reviewing the match. Do you think that the angle is real or storyline? I think it's storyline. I hope it's storyline. I hope that whatever it is, it's just something minor, and they're they're just kind of putting it off. I don't know. Maybe he. Um, fell ill or has a, a nagging injury that he's been told to take it easy on for a month or so. I, I really don't know. Um, but they finally got me 
excited about what they're doing with him. So um, I hope whatever it is, he uh, uh, has a speedy recovery and is back in the ring soon. The only reason I say I don't believe it's real, at least they're saying it's a leg injury. I went back and watched both of his matches uh, from Raw, and, I mean, the first spot where his knee, you know, supposedly in quotations buckled, you know, he was in writhing pain, and then for the rest of the match he's doing all these crazy spots, jumping off the top rope, and then finally at the end of the match he jumps off the top rope, uh, Andrade moved out of the way. He again landed on both legs, and again he, he to me looked like he was acting with his knee buckled. You could be right that it could be some other injury, and they're just obviously using the the leg storyline to move him forward. But we've talked about it before. I just hope that they change something about his character. I would love to see him come back a heel because he feels like you know this has gotten stolen from him. Uh, there's a lot of ways to push him because he's got talent. His character just isn't interesting. Speaking of guys that are not uh, the most interesting, Ricochet and Cedric Alexander won another tag team match this week over two jobbers. So this does seem to be an official tag team moving forward. My question is, how are you supposed to take a team like this seriously when, A, they haven't bothered to give them a name, or... B, they haven't given any kind of explanation or backstory for why these two guys have teamed up. I really don't have a clue. Um, Here's where I'm hoping that they have some card or play that's going to be coming out a little further down the road, which will tie this all into a nice neat bow for me. But I, I too, don't get it. Um, They're both quite talented, both quite talented and, you know, exciting in the ring enough, but neither of them really have that extra, mm. so, like, who's going to be the spokesperson for the, for this tag team? Uh, what are they going to be called? What is their aim? What are their goals? I mean, I imagine, of course, every entertainer's goal is to get to the top of your whatever division you're in, but I can't see these guys taking out a street profit, uh, a war raiders or, or AOP or anything like that. So uh, I'm not quite sure what the, what the purpose of this is right now. And I'm just really disappointed because it would be so easy to just let them do a promo where we've both been overlooked and WWE, you know, beaten up, pushed around and we joined forces because we're not taking it anymore. And it's like, at least then we have a reason why they're together. You understand it. And if you want to turn them heel down the road, you can. If you want to leave them face, you can. But at least you let the audience know why these two guys, who are both singles guys and have had a little bit of success, obviously, in their career to get where they're at, are all the time, sudden now a tag team with matching types. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. Again, you know, these people get paid for this, so I hope you earn your paycheck on this. I did too. It's it's really it, it. This is the kind of stuff that bothers me. Normally, I know that we can be ridiculous as fans, and you know, the stuff we complain about. But it just again, how hard is it to do what we just asked? Uh, the the show closing because we're all overall. I felt like was. Pretty disappointing. Uh, SmackDown was not great this week, so I have a feeling when we meet this weekend, I just know AEW and NXT shows are probably going to be better than these two this week. But the closing segment for Raw was really good. Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre had their contract signing for their Money in the Bank uh, World Championship match. Both men are just so good on the mic right now. Seth is, in my opinion doing his best character work to date. I love this character. He just, he plays such a smug prick so well. Mm. And I love how he's got the calm presence. It reminds me a lot of Jericho. I believe it was in the mid to late 2000s. He came back and he was uh, more violent of a heel than he had been in the past, but he was also very calm in the way he spoke. 
and it almost made it creepy. And Drew has just been really good. I don't know if you've noticed. I love how Drew will break the fourth wall to the camera. And normally that would be really corny. But if you think about it, there's no fans there. So he can't play up to the fans. I think it's really smart that he's playing up to the camera because maybe it gets more kids rooting for him. You know, whatever. I just, I like it. It shows he's got confidence in his character. But anyway, as all contract signings do, it turned into a brouhaha. Buddy Murphy came down and saved Seth Rollins from getting a beating. Uh, Seth then gave him a big hug in the middle of the ring. At that time, Drew got up, went for the Claymore, and Seth, I guess you could say, made Buddy the sacrificial lamb because he kind of pushed him into the Claymore and escaped without getting really hurt going into their match. How excited are you about this Seth versus Drew McIntyre match at Money in the Bank? And do you think there is any chance Seth wins and ends Drew's title reign this quickly? Uh, To answer your first – I'm sorry, to answer your last question, I think there's only a sliver – uh, in, in terms of where I think things are going to go. Uh, of course, I could be surprised. Seth Rollins is putting on such great work right now. I am totally in agreement with you. Like, the way he – like, I thought this was literally going to be – like, when Drew initially cut him off, who's going to be like, all right, listen, I'm signing this. Can we sign this? Can we get on with it? And I thought that that was going to be it. And the way that he went on his little calm ramble, he saw this Zen look and almost see him buying into this whole Messiah aura that he's got going on. And he's, it was uh, the best part of Raw to me. Um, both shows, like you said, were very lackluster. Yet at least they got it right um, going home. Um, I'm really excited for what for the buildup of this, and they're going to put on a great show. Set you know can make a lot of people, especially people with the range of a Drew McIntyre. He's going to make Drew look phenomenal in this match, and this is going to be really great. I still think that Drew holds on to the to the title a little bit longer. I really hope that they do that because, I mean, there is a chance that if Vince or the higher-ups within WWE are panicking about Drew being champion because Raw's numbers are down, Seth would be the guy that they would want to put the belt on. I mean, that would be, you know, he's the biggest name, really, they have on Raw other than Brock, and Brock's not around right now. So I hope that's not the case, but that is a possibility. The other thing I want to talk about real quick before we get out of here, are they setting up Buddy Murphy for a face turn, or is this just restarting, you know, the disciples part of Seth gimmick? I'm going to, I'm going to go with the latter. I think they're going to keep going with the disciple thing although they could wind up doing both um, because Drew did kind of speak to the fact that, hey, you know, where's your little, uh, you know, where's your boys at? It's going to be just, you know, you and me when it comes down to it or whatever. And that actually got me thinking for a second. I was like, wait a minute, we haven't seen AOP in a minute. We haven't seen Buddy in a minute. Like, what's going on? So the fact that they use Buddy Murphy to come back out like that and with the fact that I think Seth is growing into this role, I think we have to hold on to Buddy Murphy uh, just a little bit longer so that they can let this play all the way out. Well, that is the end of the SmackDown and Raw recap. We will be back on Friday, Saturday, somewhere around then, to do AEW and NXT. I am so excited about AEW. Uh, They have got both of their semifinal matches. Uh, Cody Rhodes versus Darby Allen, I think, is going to be incredible. Uh, Charlotte is going to be, uh, I know, fighting. I don't know if she's defending the title on NXT, so hopefully they'll have some uh, good shows. Uh, Ron Aldo, before we get out of here, do you want to plug anything? 
Absolutely. Uh, 2020, um, our goal is to get 20,000 families into new homes. Get at me to get your credit fixed. Um, you can reach me on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, let's chat. Oh, and, you know, I, I want to shout out to the crown since this is my first official day as an all-star. That a boy. Uh, and, uh, damn, it feels good to be a gangster. It's good to be an IB all-star. Um, so, again, please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. Also, again, plug myself. I went on RC's The Televangelist, uh, Televangelist podcast. I can't pronounce that. Uh, and we reviewed The Tiger King, this season of Ozark, and this season of Better Call Saul. So you should check those out. But we will be back later this week to go over AEW and NXT. But this has been another edition of Team Turnbuckle the Raw and SmackDown Weekly Recap Edition for your hosts, Keith Fleming and Ron L. Tinsley. We'll see you guys soon.